Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. It's the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast with Alex Trateris, John Malika, and Ricey on the beat. Let's go. What's good, everyone? Alex Chateras here with another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. So with me, as always, my buddy, my co-host, my pal, the man with a plan, the dude who's finally back from Europe. The man is alive. I just had to wake him up before we started this podcast because he's like a grizzly bear right now. You see the beard a little dishuffled. Everything's going off. He's wearing black. He's like, the hell of time is it right now? He's partying too hard, man. He was partying too hard in Portugal and Greece and Budapest. I think he's still got some beer stays on that shirt, it looks like. The glasses, I can see that he hasn't cleaned them yet, but he's back. He's here. He's alive. John Malika, what's going on? <laughs> oh, God. I mean, thanks for the intro. Alex, I missed you, man. I'm sorry you, you've been solo for the last couple days. No, we're okay. back, dude. Good. We are. We're back. Um, a, little, a little jet lagged, but I think, I think we're getting to the hang of things. The first Monday back at work was fun. I'm glad to be back. Um, and not only am I back, not only am I back and I'm excited to be back and it feels like it's the off season and nothing's going on. As we know, Alex, the Knicks off season, it's never too quiet. Every five minutes, there's already somebody with interest to the Knicks or we have, you know, people like, people like yourself writing articles, <laughs> ra- ranking, <laughs> ranking point guards. And, you know, who's coming to the Knicks and whatnot. So I'm excited, man. I'm excited to be back. There's never a dull moment with the Knicks. That's for, sh- that's for sure. There's never a dull moment in New York Knickerbocker world because we are a savage fan base. We want to know who's coming here, who's going to help save this franchise, especially when it comes to the point guard. And since we're going to talk about the point guard today, and since I wrote about the point guard for KnicksFanTV.com, and you guys can go check that out, we have a phenomenal guest with us today. We sure do, Got man. Ariel Pacheco, formerly of Basketball Insider. But if you're in Nick's Twitter world, you know who, who he is. He gives you the rewatches every day after a Knicks game. Man does a phenomenal job. I have to retweet it every single time because I learn something every, every I learn something new every single time he, that he does it. And I love it. Okay. So, and I know you do as well, John. So Ariel, how are you doing, man? Welcome to the pod. What's going on, my man? What's up? What's up? Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate the very kind intro. Um, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to talk next point guards. I'm happy to make fun of your list. Um, <laughs> Let's go. I have an ally today. Let's go. Yeah. You do have an I mean, ally today. <laughs> I mean, John, I can't let you off the hook either. We got to talk about campaign too at some point. But. <laughs> yeah, we, oh, I want to talk about campaign. 
we'll talk about John's decision to take Andre Drummond as a center before. Oh my before God! So you are, we'll, you are we'll, bringing we'll, out weird stuff. <laughs> this is to combat your terrible list that just came out. Uh-huh, okay, he said that right before we started. I know you just don't want we'll that talk out about there it. in the we'll world. Talk okay, about okay. It. I got Ariel as a witness. All right, I got Ariel as a witness. I got evidence. Bro, I it, man, I heard it. I heard it with my own ears. <laughs> but Ariel, we got you on the pod today because. There's been a lot of discourse going amongst Nick's Twitter uh, with regards to a certain point guard. If you consider him a point guard, I consider him a point guard, a new age point guard, Lonzo Ball. And there's been a lot of discussion about him because I guess, one, he's part of the Ball family. So, of course, there's just going to be some general interest and just the interest with LaVar, LaMelo, Jello, everybody and just what the, the family brings, the big baller brand. So I'm sure there's some some feelings because of that. And there's also feelings because he is a restricted free agent. He's not a true unrestricted free agent where we can just sign him and choose the bag if he wants to come with us or not. We would actually have to match or well, exceed what New Orleans gave him or do a sign and trade with him. So I understand that hesitation as well with, the I guess, how he's – developed so far throughout his career. So there's a little bit of question there and a little unsureness of like what he will fully become. So I get that. But you tweeted the other day uh, and I'm, and I'm looking for it right now. Actually, I'm going to actually, I'll let you do it since I got you here right now. You tweeted the other day, you can fill in the blanks. You tweeted the other day where you said, you know, you like Lonzo as a player, the money you'd have to give him though, to be the point guard, especially in like a traditional sense doesn't make sense because we need things that he doesn't do. And I'm presuming that you were also talking about driving to the lane. Is that, is that, is that correct? I, I, I actually am still looking for your tweet. Um, driving to the lane is a part of it. It's more so, I, I think the biggest issue, it showed itself during the series against Atlanta is the Knicks really like the half court creator. So that doesn't necessarily mean driving in the paint, though it is a part of it. It's just more so someone who can, break down defenses and create advantages for themselves and for their teammates. And I love Lonzo as as a player. I, I think he's one of the more fun guys in the league, but he doesn't do that necessarily. He does that more so in transition, but in the half court, in and in a, I'm thinking in a playoff sense, I don't think he, it's not even that I don't think he hasn't shown that he, he can do that consistently. Now, uh, I'm, he's 23 years old. I'm not a guy that likes to like put ceilings on guys. You know, maybe, maybe he, he comes next season and he's like this completely different guy. I don't know. But based off what we've seen over his what four year career now, he hasn't shown himself capable to do that. So, oh, that's, oh, so my, 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 my thing is I half agree with you because I think he's capable of it and we've seen flashes of it. But yeah, I agree. He's not as consistent. Uh, with that breaking down, you know, the half court and penetrating the offense as you'd like him to be. But I think that's because he needs the ball in his hand as a ball dominant point guard. And with Zion on the squad and with Ingram on the squad, it just wasn't working out for him. And that's why there was grumblings out of New Orleans because honestly, I, I know, I know we talk about it, uh, I've said it a couple times with Alex, but the new age basketball, I mean, at some point we just have to realize that the best player on every single team ends up being the point guard or the point forward, you know, at some point during the game. And 
some players are just more ball dominant than others. So like Zion was just, he just needs the ball in his hand more. And him and Ingram and Zion and, and uh, Lonzo, sorry, maybe just didn't fit. I think a certain mold. I think if you give Lonzo that freedom, like if, if, if we just literally took him, Alfred Payne out and sorry to mention him and, and to put in Lonzo, you know what I mean? I just think that his role would be just so much more further developed just from day one. You know what I mean? Like, we, we would just ask him to present this one skill for us to penetrate the offense and to run the half court that I think, I think this is his dream. I think this is his dream position. You know what I'm trying to say? I, I completely understand what you're saying. Um, I, I get the logic. It, it makes sense. To me though, I, I think just, I don't think it's a case of, oh, he was in a bad fit. I actually think New Orleans is a really good fit for him because he gets to play. Alex mentioned earlier that some people don't consider him a point guard. I don't necessarily consider him a full time point guard, if that makes sense. Um, he's more of a wing in, in terms of like the value he brings comes from his shooting because he takes like eight attempts per game and he's at 40%, give or take. And his defense, he, he can defend one through three and he's a good, very smart off ball defender as well. But the reason why I, don't like him as a point guard per se or, or just the primary ball handler I guess is a better term to use than point guard yeah, um, he struggles to turn the corner coming off the screens with the ball it's not really a strength of his he's a poor finisher he's a poor driver um, when he drives to the basket he likes to avoid contact on, on the drives he's not really a guy that's like I'm gonna drive right into you like which is fine and not everybody you know Manuel quickly doesn't do that you know which is fine but when, when you want to what you want from a primary ball handler is a guy who, who can create baskets for himself and others and can get to the free throw line, which is also something he doesn't do, even though he shoots free throws really well. He also doesn't really have an in-between game either, like that floater, mid-range. That's not really a strength of his either. That's something he can develop, though, of course. Um, he just lacks the kind of scoring gravity to be a point guard full-time, in my opinion. Now, the, of course, he can improve on that. I'm not putting a ceiling on him because I got accused of that. <laughs> but um, it, it's just... It's hard for me to see him to develop that much because that aspect of the game that he's missing is one of the most valuable aspects. And that's why it's so rare. It's hard to find. Those are usually the guys that are like Damian Lillard or whatever, which in this free agency, I don't think there is a guy that is available that can do that except maybe like a Lowry, Chris Paul, but I don't know how realistic that is. But with Lonzo, I know why people are attracted to him. His passing is tremendous, which I'm pretty sure one of you are going to bring up at some point. <laughs> um, but transition. So that's where I think his benefit would, would come in if he were a Nick. He, he's special in that regard. He, he's a good outlet passer. He hit ahead passes. Even in the half court, he, he does, uh, he's a good lob thrower. That's one thing I think he'd, he'd help Mitch and Obi with. Um, but overall, he, he's not an initiator offensively. He's more of a connector. Yeah, I can agree with all that. Like, he is a connector. You know, he's not, I mean, in the half court, he's not the chess player who can start rearranging everybody. Well, we didn't even see that. I can't even say that he isn't. We didn't get to see that when LeBron came to, came to the Lakers, his sophomore season out in LA. And then we didn't see that with him in New Orleans, just based on wanting to be the Zion, Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram show down there. So, I won't say that he necessarily can't do that or he can't learn to do that. Um, I mean, he wasn't even really doing that in college, but he is more of a connector. Like he's very good at just the reactionary passes, right? If he sees the guy who's open down low, he'll quickly do that touch pass to get him down there. Or if there's someone open on the wing, he'll quickly touch and get to the guy on the wing as well. And obviously you spoke about it too. His, his passing in transition is 
you know, just something for, for Knicks fans who we haven't seen transition scoring for two years now. That's, I hear transition scoring and I'm just like, yo, let's get it, man. I want to see some fast movement. I want to see some breaks. I want to see easy transition buckets because that's part of the game where when you're struggling, if you were just out hustling people and someone's looking up to get them, get someone the ball, I appreciate that type of stuff. And I think that can be surely needed. Um, but I do understand, I do understand the concern that he doesn't drive. I do understand the concern that he doesn't drive that much. I think he's actually pretty decent finisher around the like around the rim not necessarily going with contact i know he doesn't like to take on contact too well but just scoring around the rim he's at 59 percent just wise but i know that's also including like out and breakaway and sometimes in the half court and like he rarely does it and that's out of 166 attempts that he's (laughs) out of 166 attempts around the 111 attempts around the rim he's finished 66 uh shots so I, i get that he's not high usage around that area. So, but it's still, it's not, it's more of efficiency that I'm, I'm more about efficient players than just someone going into the paint recklessly and just doing it just for the hell of it. And just trying to do something like we saw that Alfred Payton granted Alfred Payton never kicked out. And if you just did that, it probably would have been a little bit better to tolerate, but for, for Lonzo, I think that he can drive his, his freshman is, I say freshman, I say his rookie season. He drove seven, seven, I think seven times or 7.4 times to the basket per game. So I think he can get around there. It's more so can he kick out and do those type of things? But I also understand like going around the curve, but my, my thing when it gets to these things about talking about driving to the basket and attacking the basket, how much do we need of that? The Knicks were in the top. They were in the top 10. I think they were seventh or 10th in the amount of times they just drove to the basket, but yet they were second to second to last in finishing around the rim. And then conversely, when you look at teams like the Clippers, the Bucks, uh, the Lakers, who are in the bottom seven of just driving to the lane, they're once again in the top because they're just efficient when they do it. So for me, when I look at Lonzo as someone who we need to help score and space the floor, not necessarily – uh, drive, which was the argument for Emmanuel quickly last season, right? People wanted Emmanuel quickly just because we knew the paint was crowded because he had Peyton, Randall, uh, RJ, and then include either Noel or Mitch down there, and there was just no shooting. So if you add someone like Lonzo, who's improved his shooting, you know, he's 38% from three. He's got a 38% mid range jumper. It's not that great, sure, but he's at least efficient when he gets to the rim, you know, with the 50, the 59%. Uh, I can take that for me, especially if we're just trying to space the floor and allow Randall, who most likely will just be the, doing the same thing again, being the point forward, and then you have Lonzo just facilitating secondarily and while RJ starts to grow. And then you can kind of get like an even bounce between RJ and Lonzo if you do have them. That That's just kind of my thought process with them. Yeah, and dude, to be honest, it really feels like you kind of alluded to it. Maybe it's because of his last name or because he's so polarizing, but it feels like the, we just keep moving goalposts on Lonzo ball before he was drafted. First, it was he can't shoot, right? That was his whole thing. He had a hitch in his shot and he can't shoot and he's been okay. You know what I mean? Like shooting 37% from three pointer. You're not the worst three pointer, you know, three point shooter in the, in the league. You know what I mean? He's, He's effective shooting percentage is what? 53%. He's okay. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's, he's alive there. And now we don't care about that anymore. So 
Then it was, oh, can he play any defense? I think he's he's pretty decent, especially like you know with the he has like over half a block. He does put some steals like a steal and a half. He puts steal on the board. Um, my concern is his pick and roll defense, but for me, it kind of I kind of give it a little bit of a pass because of his ability to run the pick and roll on offense, right? And I think that's what we're really missing. I mean, that's why IQ was so good. Because he was able to run that, you know, pick and pop off the, off the, um, off the pick and roll. And that's, I think, I think that's why we're craving a Chris Paul or, or a Kyle Lowry is to get that pick and roll with Mitch or with Randall going. You know what I mean? And to kind of give him that, um, that little, I guess to, when you penetrate the offense in any way, whether it's a pick and roll or whether you just, you know, uh, have eyes, you know what I mean? They just have eyes on you because you're pushing the pace so much. Because Alex, that's that's really what we're talking about, right? We have the worst pace in the league, and Lonzo Ball is gonna is gonna speed that up, and that's what we need. Every game, we're talking like, oh my goodness, man, we're the sl- we're so damn slow. Like every single game, and I know it's crazy, and I know it it sounds blasphemous, like from a basketball, you know, nerd perspective. But Lonzo Ball is really reminding me of Jason Kidd, man. Everything about him, especially his early career, like the Dallas Phoenix, Jason Kidd, and that that's really where Lonzo Ball is. And if you look at the stats, they're right there. I mean, Jason Kidd back then, uh, up until his, like, what, sixth season with um, in the league, his third with Phoenix, did he average over – did he get to 17 points? Other than that, he was under 12. Always under, you know, these at the seven to nine assist mark. His rebounding was like three to five. And if you guys remember, Jason Kidd couldn't shoot a, a lick until he became old, right? So I don't know. I, I'm not going to call him Jason Kidd because you know he's, he was one of the best point guards, you know, of our life, and that's you know a huge uh, marking. And I definitely agree with you guys that he's not this powerful, you know. Rim finisher, he does have flaws. I, I, all I, every time you guys were talking about it, all I see is like Alonzo spreading his legs out, doing that like double reverse, you know, layup <laughs> off the, you know, spin off the backboard so nobody touches him. Like, I, I totally feel you guys, but I just think the, the, the positives really, really outweigh the negatives. And it's even worth to splurge on that a little bit too. Like, it's not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset if we paid him a little bit more just on that potential. Even, even the, the, to me, the archetype that you guys have like described of Lonzo, of like this guy that, you know, can make some plays out of transition, can hit some threes, you know, all of that. I, I like that as a player, but I don't like it as much as, not enough to pay him what he's going to need to get paid to become a Nick. Cause I, I think that's the big thing for me with Lonzo. It's not even necessarily of what he can't do. It's just the price. When you're trying to get a restrictive free agent, the nature of restrictive free agency forces you to overpay yeah, you because if you offer Lonzo 15 mil which is which, which would be perfect I think I don't think anybody would necessarily say no to that deal right so if, if you offer him that though New Orleans is not to get the paperwork so uh, to me it's going to take I think bare minimum he's getting 19 20 mil and could you live with that on your books definitely I, I don't think that'd be an unmovable contract by any means I think if you ever needed to move it for whatever reason you could find a suitor but 
if if I'm thinking of of the deal as in are we keeping him long term? Like how does he fit long term on the team? I think you sign him, and if you sign him, expecting him to be the point guard, I think you'll find next year. Let's say the Knicks are in the playoff series, first round. I think you'll find that the same issues that kind of existed this year with not being able to have anyone who can break down a defense will still exist. Now, I think Lonzo would bring a lot of value, especially during the regular season, that moving the ball, moving it up the court, I think you'll see that work wonders. But I think playoff time, not that he's not a playoff player. That's not what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting he's not a a, a guy who, who will be able to create offense in the half court in the playoff setting. I think he's a guy that, and make the extra pass and, and, you know, make the tough read against a rotating defense, but he's not the guy that's making that defense rotate. And that's what the Knicks mean. I, I hear you on that. And that's, it, oh, it comes to the playoffs, right? And the question is like, does he, has he, my thing with that is, has he had the opportunity to even develop his game to that point to do so, right? And if we're being frank, look, Wazers also had, an injury history where he doesn't play most of the season to begin with. Okay. So first year, you know, out of 82 games, he played 52 next season out of 82, he played 47 last season. He actually played most, uh, played most of his games. He played 63 out of this, uh, uh, actually, well, he went to the bubble. So did he play? Yeah, he did play. He did play a majority of his games. That, that was like the first season we played a majority of his games, a good majority, I should say. And then you have this season play 55 out of 72. So, that's the concern where I would say, has he had the opportunity? Maybe he could have had a little bit more if he wasn't injured, but I also don't think he fully had the opportunity to grow into his role either because once the Lakers got LeBron James, we all know who's running that show. Even though he was injured, we all know what was going on. And I think Lonzo was also, if I remember correctly, Lonzo was also out during that time period when LeBron was out. So it was like, wow, we really missed an opportunity here to see what he could actually do. I also don't think uh, – Luke Walton is a really good coach either. I don't think he knows what he's doing. I'm still shocked he has a job out in Sacramento. And then New Orleans has just been a shit show of a franchise since he's been there. So you had Gentry and now you had um, Stan Van Gundy. And both of them have only been there for one year. Both those uh, – well, not – Gentry's been there for a long period of time. But, I mean, while Lance has been there, it's just one and one. So I don't know if he's actually had the capability to show what he can demonstrate and see if – like if he can create half court for himself, once again, we're, we're seeing guys that they want to, they want to, you know, who they want to showcase, whether it's LeBron James when he was there or Brandon Ingram out in the Lakers, or once again, it's Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. So I don't know if he's truly had that space. And I know uh, that's the other concern too. Do you want to just pay a guy to see if he can grow within the space a lot of money? I know that's another concern too. And, I, and trust me, I get that. 20 million. I said, like I've said 20 million is like my max for Lonzo. And even I don't fully feel comfortable giving him $20 million. At the same time, I do know that the owner of the New York Knicks has deep pockets and he's never been bashful about overspending when he needs to overspend. So that's also why I'm kind of okay with it too. Because if he needs to go into the luxury tax, if they're that close to being competitive or being at that chance, I'm sure that he would just do it. I'm not saying the Knicks are going to be that next season or the season after that, but I'm just all I'm, all I'm alluding to is that I don't think money needs to be that much of a concern with James Dolan. I mean, he's been paying for Joe Kim Noah. He's paid for numerous coaches over the years. He's paid crazy dumb contracts. I mean, he's paid Allen Houston. Uh, <laughs> that what was that hundred million dollar contract. So James Dolan has spent enough money and somehow the franchise keeps getting more and more valuable. So I don't think he's too 
uh, uh, too bashful about it in that way. I think my question for you, though, Ariel, is how do you what do you expect for this team to be constructed? Like, what do you see? Do you see Randall still being that point forward? You still do you see RJ being that? second initiator who's going to need the ball in his hand because that's the other case too like what do you see the construct of this team do you need a general like a four general like Kyle Lowry or do you need of a guy who's a little bit more passive like Lonzo Ball has shown to be in New Orleans with Zion Brandon Ingram and would just kind of slide right in how do you feel about that um I think I think in a perfect world um you'd like to see kind of Julius slide to that number two guy and then RJ slide to that number three or two a two b kind of thing Whatever you want to construct it, I think. I think in a perfect world, you want a guy who is a certified number one. For as amazing Julius was this year, I don't think. I don't think too many people believe he's a number one option in the playoffs. I think he's perfectly fine as a regular season guy that you can give the ball to and and he he'll get you places. I think he proved that this year. Year, you know, he got all um, All NBA second team. As far as what kind of point guard do I think they need? I think they need a guy who can kind of do both. I think they need a guy. They don't necessarily need a guy who can score 20, 30 points a game. They just need a guy who's a threat and not who's a threat on and off the ball. Um, I think whoever they use at point guard this year will be uh, an improvement, um, to Alfred Payton. Um, I don't think anybody's arguing that, but no one, no one will argue that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> arguing me on that one, but, um, a guy like uh, my number one choice. People are gonna hate me for this. I think Alex is gonna hate me for this too. But my number one choice for point guard from the from the crop that's like realistically available. I think Lowry, even though he's the old veteran, I, I like him a lot. I think if you can overpay him for a quick two year deal and at that that next level, I think with Lowry as the point guard next year, the Knicks would probably be a second round exit or make it a really competitive first round. And I think he's a guy that. Um, He's shown he can play alongside another guard with Fred Van, Van Vliet. I think he could play so- alongside uh, IQ um, on RJ, obviously. Um, other other than other than that, my other options, uh, I like. I think I don't think there's a long term point guard the Knicks should be looking at and f- available right now. I think there's stop gaps, and I like campaign. I like Reggie Jackson at the right price, of course. Campaign Reggie Jackson. I like Lowry. Um, Mike Conley. I like Mike Conley, but I think I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, uh, yeah, I don't think the Knicks point guard of the future is is available. To me, the bigger need is a wing. I think they can find one here this this off season. Um, but yeah, to to me, to me, I don't think the point guard of the future is in this free agency crop. I don't know if you guys disagree. Um, I don't disagree with that, and I don't hate Lowry either. I mean, I know you're. I, I appreciate that you read the the piece that I wrote, um, and that you're named all the guys I listened to, all the top five guys. Um, I don't hate any of those guys. That's why they're, they're in my top five. Like I, I really would appreciate either one of them. I like for me, when it gets to older point guards, I've just seen Baron Davis. I've seen Jared Jack. I've seen all these old dudes just come on through here. Beno Udra, Jose Calderon, you know, Ramon Sessions. I don't need to see any more old point guards who are, just look like they're done and not saying that. Kyle Lowry or Mike Connolly would be done if they came to the Knicks, but they're getting to that point where at some point father time is going to catch up and say, all right, guys, your, your time's over. So that's my hesitation with these guys. Although I would still be happy if like we got them because I think for Kyle Lowry, let's just use him, right? I like Kyle Lowry because if you did draft a point guard, if you did have find a point guard that you can groom, even if it's like Emmanuel quickly, who may, you know, who could 
theoretically still, I'm not going to put a cap on him either, who could be the point guard of this team and for the future. Like you have a, you have a mentor in Kyle Lowry who's been through it, who's been with Memphis, who's been with Houston and was considered, you know, not valuable and was traded to Toronto from Houston. And then he really developed his career there and figured everything out. And we know that point guards just take time to develop. It takes him about four to five years to figure everything out. So I would be, I'd be thrilled with Lowry just from a veteran and a cerebral aspect of the game and just coaching and being another coach on the sideline and his defensive tenacity. Well, him and Tibbs just seem like a pairing and match made in heaven with how much he plays defense, willing to take charges, uh, play in the post and take on big men and just throw his body at him. Like that, that just has Tibbs written all over it. So I wouldn't be upset, but you know, like once again, it's like, I guess you're saying that we need someone more like, Lowry because you don't see Randall or and definitely not RJ yet being those type of guys to command the offense and really be that number one option we kind of need those type of guys to just facilitate score in a half court uh system once it comes playoffs time right that's what I'm getting at yeah yeah um I'm thinking more so like if you're trying to build a a championship team like what is the ideal role Uh, I'd say Julius is probably going to be the number two in that situation I I think you know if the deal was perfect I think everybody would be happy with like a Damian Lillard if if you were able to keep Lillard Julius and RJ like that's like the dream three I don't think anybody's (laughs) disagreeing with me there not at all depending on how you fill the rest of the roster up but I, I think I think they are missing that that number one guy, and it, it might not come this year. I don't think it will come this year. I think next off season will be a lot more interesting. Yeah, a lot, yeah, definitely a lot more interesting next year because I think there's some bigger names next year than there are this one. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, I don't think the point guard of the future is is, is here. In free that's where it was. Yeah, that's where it was. I I I I, I agree. And like this, me looking for a point guard right now is because we've whacked it for like a good 20 years so it's starving. like you, starving yeah, it's out like, here Alex. you know like yeah no and then john's about to say, like john's about to say it it's like when you're hungry you don't care what the food is right you're just about like let's, let's just get it done all right so it's like it's also like being realistic with like myself and being honest it's like awesome just like look we need a point guard like it's been the the, the ageless question of who the point guard would be for the new york knicks for the last 20 years so yeah i i, I agree though if like if i'm stepping back the the point guard of the future is not in this pool. Oh, it's not. I don't think, even though I like campaign, I don't think he's the point guard of the future. This is more, you'd be more of like a test run to see, can he step into that role? Um, not necessarily believing that he is. Lonzo Ball, you know, I, like I say, like with you, I, I agree that 20 million would still be a movable contract. Do I think he's, he's not a Tibbs guy, right? He's just not a Tibbs guy. Who? Lonzo? It just doesn't know. feel like, just, especially on the defense, man. Like, and that's all I'm know, thinking man. about. Like, I can't imagine. Like a playoff, you're like, yeah, yeah, we're good. We're going to line up Lonzo Ball against, you know, the opposing point guard. Like, I just, it's just hard to imagine Tibbs being like, yes. Like, you know what I mean? Excited about that prospect. Well, I guess that's why Ian Begley reported that it's, uh, no one's really like gung ho on Lonzo even to this day. Like, they were considering it during the trade down line during the season. And they're kind of still like, there's not a yes or no with, what they're thinking about for Alonzo Ball. I think they're just weighing all their options. But no news is actually good news from a front office. That means they're they're doing their homework. So it's better than hearing it's better than hearing Berman say, uh, I don't know, writing a Kelly Ube piece and I need to know that Kelly <laughs> oh, Ube no. to the Knicks is like oh, no. a like a real thing. Uh <laughs> that's tough. 
But That's yeah, John, what, 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 do you feel, what do you feel? Do you think there's a point guard of the future coming up? What, what's, I'm throwing Ariel's question to you. Well, so... I- for starters, I think that's why we're grasping at Lonzo Ball and holding on to him because if you do think we, there is a point guard of the future available, he is the guy, right? Like he is, if you're really the, there's, there are not many options out there for a quote unquote player of the fu- point guard of the future out there. So that's why I think we're, we grasp at him to begin with. But other than that, I agree with you. But the stopgap of the future, I feel like, is here. And looking at this team, looking at the way Tibbs operates, he need he wants a stop. Like that's fine. Like uh, to have a to have a think like think about their contracts. Think about the coach contract and the GM contract. Like a a, a two three year you know stopgap point guard. That's their entire contract. That sounds fantastic to them. You know what I mean? Like that means they're going to be successful for two three years with a Lowry with uh, Chris Paul, with a Mike Conley, you know, and then that would gap them into another point guard for them and potentially a new contract for the coaches too. You know what I mean? So I think that uh, a two, three-year stopgap actually gets everybody paid in the organization from top to bottom. You know what I mean? And and I think that sometimes as fans, we're in it for the long game. And so we're like, oh, yes, I can't wait to get this draft pick back in eight years. You know what I mean? And, you know, all, all these things. And it, it's nice and poetic, but it's just not where, realistically, these humans are, you know, that are trying to build this team now. So that being said, I would love Kyle Lowry on this team. And I know the, I know it, I, I, I was trying to trade for him all year <laughs> uh, last year, but if we give him the 30, one year, 30 million, I'm okay with that. If we give him two years, 60 million, I'm okay with that too. Wow. Yeah. Like, you know, and, or two years, 55 or whatever it is. You know what I mean? I'm okay with that because what's the worst that's going to happen? We're going to have a one year expiring next year with Kyle Lowry. We'll be able to get rid of that contract. You know what I'm trying to say? If worst case scenario, but best case scenario, we have Kyle Lowry and behind him, we have, D Rose quickly, obviously, and maybe even like a Rick Bronson. You know what I mean? And, and that, that, that kind of restricted free agent I can see coming and helping the Knicks because I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a lot of pressure when you, when you put Alonzo ball, you give him all that money and you stick him into the, the starting point guard role for not only this, you know, most improved Knicks team, but a team that plays in Madison Square Garden. You know, for a home team, and if we're paying you that much money, and you have like three or four bad games, <laughs> we're gonna start yelling at you, yelling about your dad, yelling about, yelling about all all these things. It's not gonna be fun, and I think that uh, people within the New York Knicks organization do realize that. How dare you, first of all, forget Luca Vildoza? Like, oh my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. We're just watching Ar- Argentina too. My bad. Yeah, the Ar- Ar- Come on, man. Come on. How how could you? How could you? I would love um, a Pablo of the new Pablo Prigioni gets us some solid minutes off the bench. I, I love his pace too. That's why I think we're, you know, we're, we're on this new regime change kind of with this point guard position. You know what I mean? Uh, yo, don't, you don't even need to sell me an Argentinian point guards or guards in general. All right. You got, we got Fauci out in uh, Denver. We got, uh, we had Pablo Prigioni and then we had Mano Ginobili. That's enough. That's, th- that's, th- that's three 
awesome guards to begin with, even if they're role, even if Fauci and Pablo were role players and Mano was like, you know, the only one that was uh, all star level. It's still for it's still 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 good for uh, for Argentina. But, you know, let's move on to another topic. And I really want to get Ariel's take on this before we, uh, you know, before we keep moving on. I, I just want to know, uh, Ariel, you know, I brought up in my tweet when I retweeted you. And then I was just so viciously attacked on Twitter because apparently using Randall as a barometer for any sort of improvement uh, is just uh, will be met with flames and torches and just pitchforks because he is an out outlier. Can I get your take on that, man? Is it what what makes him an outlier? Just so that everyone's caught up to speed. Well, what makes him an outlier is that his type of development and in, ter- in terms of like how fast it came, I guess, is more so the outlier. Is he went from, as, as you all remember, his first year with New York, he was a legit damaging bad player. Um, turnovers, spinning into purple double teams. Uh, he was just not a good player. He was, he was a negative player. Um, and he came back and I mean, most Knicks fans want to. And he became like he, he did a complete like 180. He he was a different person, uh, um, a different player. So what makes it? I guess I guess why people were arguing with you on Twitter, um, telling you that it was an outlier. And it's just rare. It's rare that that happens. Uh, I don't think it has happened that fast where a guy was like that bad and then he became a second team All NBA guy in one year. And for the most part, when you're signing a free agent, I'm thinking like Lonzo in particular. Not that Lonzo is a damaging player. I'm just saying in general that you don't really want to sign guys and and be expecting that kind of improvement and turnaround. It's okay if you have the faith. If you're signing a guy, you should have faith in them for for the most part. But paying a guy to bank on that kind of like leap is kind of not sm- not smart, but it's like it's a it's a risk. And I- Sorry, yeah, sorry to cut you off. No, no, I was going to agree with you that no, it's it's not smart for someone to be banking on just to make a complete 180 like Randall did, and that's not even kind of where I was going with it. My whole thought process is that we just saw a guy just improve, like at the age of 26, and Lonzo being 23. So my my expectation is not that you know he would go for that Lonzo was going from a damaging player like Randall was to now this second team all NBA. And I'm not even expecting Lonzo to be a second team all NBA if he came to the Knicks. But I guess my point is that just to be very basic is just, you know, I think he can just continue to improve. I don't think we've seen the full, the full Lonzo ball yet. And I still see a guy who's been so uh, not necessarily toxic, but just uneven, like for, I guess he's been in an uneven, was it, I guess, career path, not by his doing, but because of just t- being traded and, you know, how organizations have just ran their team, ran the, 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 the business itself, that he still improved. Like he still improved his shot. He still improved areas. He still like works on his defense too. He still improved in other areas where it's like, okay, for a guy who's been in pretty bad systems or just in bad situations in general, He's taken another step forward in the right direction in his development. And he probably doesn't even have the guidance to know how to do so. Like he going down to New Orleans, who, who is his role model? Like, I, I don't disagree. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. Kind of my point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I, I just think, I think the development, 
I guess uh, because I looked at Lonzo as more of a wing, in my idea, in my mind, him improving, like you're saying, like making the next jump or, or you know, improving even incre- incrementally, incrementally, it, it would be like a team as more of an, of an off the ball guy that, that can, than a point guard who can like do wing things. So, so if you, if you look at Lonzo as a wing, him being able to attack a closeout, for example, and then create out of that, like that's something that I, I, I think he can certainly do. And he's only 23, so there's no reason why he wouldn't be able to. But to expect the kind of jump for him to be the point guard full time that he would have to make would be a Julius-esque kind of improvement to like be able to break down defenses in the half court. That, that's the kind of, that's kind of the, the comparison that's being made there, I guess, in my eyes. Okay. All right. Okay. So now, okay. So that's the whole point with like the Randall comp. Okay. Yeah. I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll concede to that. Hopefully everyone out there in the Twitter world could concede to saying, I just think he can get better because he's not done. And that's it. And that even if you're paying a dude and you, you should pay a dude because you do have the faith that he can continue to get better. You know, the guys who you pay max money for it's not you're looking for them to get better it's like i know what you guys are and i know you can do for this team that's where you're getting the max money you're essentially a bounty hunter at that point you're bringing that bounty hunter to come get you that championship like why wasn't toronto but we're not i'm not asking that alonzo i'm just asking to you know you pay a guy because you've seen some sort of growth and now you're saying take him from a bad situation put him in a slightly better i'm not even gonna say like we're we're a good situation right now I don't know how good the situation will be. I need to see year two and make sure that things are still consistent, but if things are still consistent. It's a really good situation. I'll say, Hey, let's put him into a good system and see what happens. Let's put him with a good coach. Let's put him in like, let's put him into with a team where everyone is wanting to get better and like listens to their coach because they love their coaching staff. They love everything about the organization right now. And let's see how that works out instead of saying, Hey, let's look at this guy who's on a team where it's, he doesn't look happy. No one really looks happy. So everyone's just kind of talking with each other saying, I don't know what we're doing here. And they're all just, I'd rather have, when you're around guys who just say, I'd rather have the season be over. And like, I like you can just be playing high school, college sports. And if you're part of a team where guys just say they want it to be over, there's no drive. There's no energy. You all want to get out three, of there. Cancun. Yeah. One, two, three, Cancun. <laughs> look, we see, we saw it with, we've seen it with previous teams. We've seen it with old Knicks teams where that weren't winning. That if there is if it's a bad team, guys are just kind of up and out. So that's 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 my whole thing. Just like you can pay a guy and just think that he can be he's still going to improve. Not looking, not necessarily looking for him to be that Julius Randle second all NBA all NBA team, but just thinking that there could be just general improvement. But we're on we're on the same page, uh, Ariel. John, you yeah. got anything else to add? you got anything else to add to that? No, I just like really don't want. A shoot first point guard like Reggie Jackson or campaign. That would, that would make me, man, that would make the Knicks regress so much. Like take two steps back from, from a movement forward and from what I think is a promising development. You know what I mean? This point guard position. If we were to pay somebody who's just a, a, a shoot first point guard like a Reggie or a Payne, I think that would really ruin everything. So I really just hope that doesn't happen. I actually kind of, I don't disagree completely with what you're saying, but in using like Reggie and campaign as an example, I don't, I don't think they're necessarily like shoot first point guards. I think they're more like guards that can kind of organize you into your offense, but then 
they can play off the ball once they give it up. Like in my mind, I think of like Reggie and campaign as just like Alfred Payton upgrades. I don't, like I don't see them as like okay, this is the guy we're gonna like sign long term and build around. I see them as more of like okay, we're still gonna be running our offense primarily through Julius. How can we make Julius's life easier with the guys around him? And I think campaign and Reggie have shown that they can shoot. Um, they they can attack the basket some, which helps attack a rotating defense. So that, that's kind of I view them. I don't see them as like the savior or whatever you you want to call it. Like yeah, but, yeah. I don't. And I and I kind of, I'm kind of with you, Ariel. Like I don't I don't necessarily see them as a shoot first point guards. Like if you just like watching the Suns and the way they operate, they rely heavily on guard act like guard activity for it to open up for everybody else, like on the wing and the center. So that's why Chris Paul, uh, Devin Booker, campaign those guys shoot like they take probably a good portion of the shots because they're like, look, we have to shoot, we have to do a lot of the action, so that way you get the wings open. Uh, you get your wings open. You get you get Cam Johnson open on that side. You get Mikhail Bridges open. You get uh, DeAndre in some easy uh, easy uh, alley oops. You know that's the whole point of like that's how I look at them. And for for Reggie though, I I think Re- Reggie's a little bit of a chuck in my opinion. He he likes to be a chuck. I think he I think there are times where Reggie can easily just like I think campaigns more. I think campaign can actually facilitate more. I think just the Suns in general and what Monty has running with them, he can he can running offense better. I think Reggie, not saying that he can't, but I think he's more of a Chuck than anything else. Just, just a little, just slightly, just because there are times, especially when he was out in Detroit, I'm just like, yo, I get that you have to be the guy right now, but what are we doing here? <laughs> That's just me though. Uh, he, he is kind of, he is kind of a little bit of a Chuck. I'm not disagreeing with you there. Um, <laughs> he, he, he does go a little hero ball most sometimes. I'm thinking more so, I, when I'm talking about Reggie Jackson, and I'm sure you guys are too, we're thinking of like, if we're getting the playoff version of him, because if we're getting the Detroit version of him, I don't think any of us are really big fans of Reggie Jackson. I just, I just don't think like Reggie Jackson, RJ Barrett and Randall seems like the worst trio fit I've ever heard. I, I get it. I get it. I mean, Reggie Jackson isn't, I think he still has a ways to go to get rid of some of his reputation, but I, I think this, if he's, if he's the guy he was and for the Clippers this past playoffs, I think he's a good player. He, he, he defended his ass off and he, he shot, he made some huge shots. He's a guy that, that's like, kind of likes the moment. And when you play in New York, that's always kind of a little subplot. So, I mean, would I love it if Reggie Jackson is a Nick next year? I wouldn't love it. Would I hate it? Not necessarily. I think it's a like, I think it's a kind of a realistic little upgrade. That hopefully doesn't cost too much. Yeah, I don't see Reggie costing that much, and I don't see campaign costing that much either. I don't see either one of them getting more than annually. Maybe Reggie would get a little bit more than Cam, just because he's been in the league longer, has been the starting point guard, uh, and so forth. Maybe he can get like ten to twelve million annually, but I don't see Cam getting more than. Yeah, he could possibly get there, but I don't see I don't see it really happening that much. It just I feel like for Cam. He's either going to take the home team discount and stay out in Phoenix, or he'll say, I'll take a little bit more money and come out to MSG and see what I can do and have some fun. But that's, that's my whole, that's my whole spiel on, uh, on the point guards. But, you know, make sure, think- make sure, to, make sure to catch, uh, KFTV Alex's last piece. That's what we've been referring to on Nick Fan TV. Uh, the Tradicaster 101 wrote, wrote a little piece. So go check that out and let us know. Uh, what you guys think about that too? Yeah, I pr- appreciate I appreciate the plug. My the plug man right here himself, my hype my my personal hype man. I got you, John. 
appreciate it, bro. Appreciate it. But before I, w- I want to go on to another topic though, before like we, we get on out of here because now we're going to get into the et cetera portion of this podcast. Got to talk about the playoffs. Got to talk about the Suns and the Bucks, And then, uh, you know, John has to air some USA, man. Yeah. John's got some grievances, but we'll save that for the end. We can wrap up with that because that's a little bit more fun. So Ariel, I, I know, I know you've been watching this, uh, this playoff series like we have. How you, how you, well, the NBA finals, I would say, it's not even, how, how, what do you think of it, man? What do you think of it so far? Um, it's been like, as like a basketball nerd, it's been kind of fun watching the like X's and O's and watching Monty and, and Bud kind of, you know, try to make adjustments against each other. Um, the games could be a little more closer and a little more exciting down the stretch. That'd be like a lot more entertaining, but I, I think it's perfectly fine, perfectly like fun finals. Um, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm been, I've been huge, a huge proponent of the Suns since the beginning of the year. I actually, I wrote a story for Basketball um, Insiders in the first week of January, and I said that the Suns were legit. I've been on in on them since literally the beginning of the year. I think they do win it. Um, the Bucks, I, I like the Bucks too. I, I'm, I've been high on them as well, but I think they kind of beat themselves way, way more than they should. Even getting here has been like. A struggle. <laughs> Every series besides the Heat one has been like this, like in bath. Oh man, but it's been fun, man. I'm, I'm enjoying the finals. Yeah. What do you guys think? I mean, I've been enjoying it too. I mean, you have people out there who are like, well, ratings are probably gonna go down because you know we don't have LeBron James and Steph Curry, and I just. Tell those people to shut up because I've been enjoying every single moment of this. They just like don't like basketball. No, that's really what it is. They just don't like basketball. They don't like the whole structure of it. They don't like X's and O's. They don't like seeing new faces. I love seeing new faces. I love seeing guys just show up and say, hey, uh, I'm relevant too. I don't need to go join the super team. I let the guys come to me, which Devin Booker said, yo, Chris Paul, come with me, bro. We'll take you to the promised land. Eight and nine, we got you. Kyle Bridges too, all right? And don't worry about Cam Johnson. His throw may be out there, but he, he he's all right too. Don't worry. Um, I like it, man. I've been enjoying every single every single moment of it. And you said it right because it's been the Suns running X's and O's and just running circles around them, except for last night where Giannis decided to go off for 41 points. But the Bucks just I Boonholzer, he he got he saved his job by making it to the finals. Because if he didn't make it to the if he didn't make it this far or even get past the Nets, I think he was out. But they just as you said, man, they just keep shooting themselves in the foot. And I just don't know how they legit been falling up. I love, I love Giannis. I, 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 like, I, I enjoy watching his game. I do enjoy the Bucks. It's actually a really tough, like, series for me Your to Greek brother. Usually, he is my Greek brother. I usually, uh, I usually have like a rough time. I don't have a rough time, I should say. I usually don't have a rough time choosing like a team that I want to win. This, Series is actually really tough because I like both teams like that much. Like I really like how far the Suns have come as a team. I really like the Bucks, even though they they've come so far like physically, gameplay wise, they still have more growing to do. I don't know. That, that's just I, I agree with you on that, John. How, how are you feeling about the series? Yeah. So personally, I was unable to watch the conference finals from both of them because I was traveling and the time was crazy. So I am so damn thankful to be back in the time zone where basketball is normal. Everyone's watching it. Uh, it was like, I met this one kid 
side note, but this one kid in my last stop in Portugal from Bulgaria who, uh, know, knew all about American pop culture, American sports. And so I was talking to him about the finals and he like really was into it, knew everything about it. Um, so I was kind of having some fun with that, but I'm definitely glad to be back, uh, stateside. And this series, man, I think it's so funny. I, I kind of hit it on the head. You, you really just don't like basketball if you don't like this series. And not only are the ratings up from the, you know, the LeBron Steph Curry, uh, finals, uh, part three, which I think is pretty impressive, uh, because there's not that many superstars. Like my, I don't think like my dad would know more than one or two players if I just named them, you know, right away from, uh, from this series. So that's a pretty big feat for the NBA, but from, what we care about from the basketball standpoint, it's been a hell of a series, man. You know how much I love DeAndre Ayton, and he's been on the map. He's finally uh, getting out there, and you can just tell, like, the whole series depends on him. When he's playing bad, Milwaukee's making a run. When he's playing good, the Suns are unstoppable. And when Scott Foster is refing a, a game, DeAndre Ayton's going to get into foul trouble. I mean, it just is what it is. Um, game three, game three, the first game for the Bucks at home was, I mean, I could not be less shocked at how that played out. Milwaukee at home is unstoppable most of the time. Um, even though in the first quarter, it looked like the Suns still had it. And like, you know, you know, parentheses, see DeAndre Ayton. So like, <laughs> we really have to keep that in mind, but. I think that game three was mostly about the Bucks bench, you know, and Middleton more than it was about Giannis because Giannis has been pretty good all series. I know it's just easy to say, oh, Bucks lost, Giannis sucks. He has no, you know, he, he can't, you know, shake Jay Crowder, but he's been pretty good really this whole playoffs. Um, the only thing we're getting, we're getting at him about is his free throw and the counting thing, which is whatever is cute. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he's been, he's been, he's been really good, man. And. Uh, Budenhoser's been good. I think game four is going to be the whole series, which I don't think that's such a hot take, but game four is going to be the whole series. Can Milwaukee overcome the Suns with DeAndre Ayton on the floor at home? That's the question because, like, even if they win today, they're not going to win game – even if they win game four, they, I, there's no chance they win game five. You know, in, back in Phoenix, that's just my opinion. So the question is, can they – can they – if DeAndre Ayton stays on the floor – can they hold that storm? And I don't think Jake Crowder is going to have another game like he did last game. Uh, I think that, I think the Jake Crowder game was almost wasted, uh, uh, in game three, but I don't know. That, that, that's kind of my thoughts, uh, just sitting here right now, uh, 2 1 Suns. I think a, a fun little subplot uh, on it, just to add a little something, because you kind of mentioned it. Um, it, one little fun thing about the finals to me has been, it's been like kind of, like Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Giannis, DeAndre, and kind of like getting rid of their narratives. Like Giannis was always seen as this guy, like, oh, he, he needs to do this. He can't dominate in the playoffs. He can't shoot and he's dominating. Devin Booker was a lot of guy people thought was just, you know, a guy stat padding on a bad team. And now he's doing it at the biggest stage. Chris Paul was another guy that people just thought would never make it to the top. And, and DeAndre Ayton was the number one pick that a lot of people, you know, uh, kind of shit it on, um, because of Luca, which I mean, whatever, that's a different argument, Luca, eight and number one. But it, it, it's just nice to see those guys kind of, you know, shed, get, get rid of that, like, narrative and, and be able to, like, prove that, they, hey, they, they can still, they can still play, give them their credit, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. No, and that's like I think that's like the best part too because everyone loves to create narratives. Look, we have we have stupid ESPN. Everyone's like, Giannis is just a Robin. I'm like, how the hell is someone just a Robin when they drop 41 points? You know, if that was LeBron James dropping 41 points, you'd be like, LeBron doesn't have enough help. Like, the goalpost. He, he needs a Robin. Just keep, that, 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 just, just keep keeps missing. moving. Just keeps moving. I just, I can't, I can't deal with it. Yeah, Chris Middleton needs to stop being so inconsistent and needs to, like, finally show up. Like, I like Chris Middleton. I, I think he's a good player. He just needs to, like, he shows up and then it's like, he's gone. Then he shows up and he's, it's like, stop revert, going back to the hole. Just stay, just, just stay out on the court. Um, but yeah, I totally Ariel. There's a lot of narratives that are being broken and it's, I like it. Like I said, I just like seeing new faces and I like seeing, uh, I just like seeing new faces. I like seeing new people succeed. It's, it's fun. It's fun where you don't expect what's supposed to be the expected. Like how many, for those, yeah, how many years we had to know, Oh, it's going to be the, the Cavs and the Warriors in the finals every single time. It's like Cavs and the Warriors. What was that four years we got? It's like, okay. We get it. And then even the Warriors going like for the fifth time, I was like, we know the Warriors are going to make it the fifth time. Okay, here we go. Toronto won that series because of a lot of injuries, but I like seeing something different. But I think that's enough on the series. We're going to, wait, we're going to wrap this up with. Wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. I need, I need predictions. I need predictions. What do you, what do you guys, what do you guys both see, uh, game four going and, uh, the rest of the series in general? Man, that's tough. I got. I got Suns in six. Um, Suns in six too. Yeah, and then come back and win the next two. I just, I think okay, they I, have a, I think, I think they the, have a clear advantage on the coaching side here. I feel I literally I couldn't I agree with a hundred percent. I think, I I really do think Milwaukee is gonna is gonna win again, even with Aiton on the floor in Game Four, and then I think the Suns are gonna win the next two. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I don't, I see Milwaukee. I think they're, I think it's also going to be a good series. I think, you know, I, I think Milwaukee will do one more and then that's it. I think the Suns are going to start kicking everything back in once they go home and then they're going to smell blood the last game and say, nah, this is ours and let's do this. So, but now before we wrap up, we got to get John's grievance session in here because John, why are you upset, man? I want to hear you. Why are you upset with Team USA? Why are you upset? I'm upset about a lot of things, man. First of all, I'm upset about people freaking out about this this Nigeria exhibition loss. It it really is too much for me. I I know that means you didn't watch the game and you don't care about how this how the, like Olympics actually work. I get that, but it just still bothers me that that's like the headline. Uh, now we're, we're we already you know went back to the FIBA team. Like everything's just how all dare over you? the place. How dare you attack <laughs> me? <laughs> everything's everything's all over the place, dude. Everything like we now we talk about how Melo beat Nigeria and how we should compare that. Like, oh my goodness, let's just stay focused. Like, it was a bad game. Everything's okay. Nigeria was pretty good, actually. <laughs> like, it, it was it was it was all right. Like, and USA obviously isn't the chemistry's not there yet, and there's they like just finished their season and they're just getting it back together. I'm not too worried. But what's really bothering me, man, because I watched that damn game, is Kevin Love. Why in the hell is Kevin Love on this team and Julius Randle not? Like, I, I get that he has a, 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 a fun name. I get that, quote unquote, he has international experience, whatever in the hell that means. Like, 
what he's going to scout. Like, I, I don't know what that means for, for, for him on the court versus USA was the worst thing I've ever watched. And to think that they could have had Julius Randle out there instead blows my mind. It actually blows my mind. That's got to be like a favor, uh, like an agent kind of favor to him trying to build his value up so he can get out of Cleveland. Like, that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Like, uh, there's, he, he hasn't been a good NBA player in like, what, two, three years? I, I don't know. That, that, that's such a weird decision. I don't, I don't understand he it either. He's a good teammate in two, three years. What a oh, yeah, definitely. Like, come on, man. Like, I just get, like, I get that, like, honestly, let Randall not be in the team. Let him train this offseason. Let him get better because he had a lot of minutes. Fine. But I do agree with John. I feel like they should have at least selected Randall and Randall should have been like, I'm good, Chief. I don't want to do it. Like, he would have definitely been there. Randall would have been the first person there, and it would have yeah, been 100%. priceless, man, to have like KD and Randall like just like run it. Oh man, that would have been so good. Look, look, I agree that he would have gone there. I agree that he should have gotten selected. I mean, even Jeremy Grant got selected, and I like Jeremy Grant. I think he's a good player. But we're talking about we didn't even select the most improved from the fourth seed New York Knicks, and yet we chose Jeremy Grant from the Detroit Pistons. Like one of the worst, like one of the worst teams in the NBA. Like that's the decision we made. I agree with Ariel. I think this was, I think this was a favor for somebody. Uh, but it's a good point. It's it's easy tinfoil hat for me. It's the only thing that makes sense. (laughs) I'll go with, I'll go with. uh, We're all wearing Ariel's tinfoil hat for today because I agree with it. You don't need to, you don't need to tell me twice. I believe it's true. And if Mark Berman writes it, then it's going to be even more true. Uh, (laughs) But. You know, that I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. But guys, I'm not too worried about Team USA though. We're gonna we're gonna win the gold. Get the hell out of my face. You really okay? Shout out to so, Louis all right. So here's my thing about that. <laughs> I, was gonna, I wasn't gonna touch on this. I wasn't gonna touch on this. But now you made me touch on this. So here's my thing about this. I saw we saw Team USA. Sure, it didn't have Kevin Durant and all these other guys play. Yeah, whatever. Fine. There's just it's. We're just, I'm just so used to watching Team USA. I guess this is also just being a privileged Yankees fan too. Just like watching teams dominate. And then when it's supposed to be pure domination, it's just like, nope, I get it. It's also very weird because they're coming back from just getting off like not even too long ago. So they're probably just like coming out of rest mode. So I agree that it's not anything to worry about, but it's a little concerning. I saw FIBA didn't do too hot. <laughs> they're just coming off party mode. Like they just finished the season. They just partied. And now they're just getting back to work. And it was an exhibition game versus Nigeria. You think they, come on. I don't know. I watched that game. The only thing that made my brain hurt is just Kevin Love. <laughs> Everything else was, was really fine. I'm really not worried about the squad. For international experience, whatever that means. Thank you, Pop and whoever. All right, guys. I think this is a good place to wrap it up. Ariel, thank you for coming on again. If you got anything to plug, anything to promote, please. Let the people know where they can find you uh, and your work. Let them know. Uh, just follow me on Twitter, A Pacheco MBA, P A C H E C O MBA. Um, just follow me on Twitter. Anything that I have to share will be on there. And thank you guys for having me on. Really appreciate it, man. Ariel, thank you for coming on. And definitely make sure to check out Ariel's work and to follow Ariel on Twitter because he does do awesome rewatches. I can't wait for those to be coming up for the next season. Um, and I know. I literally like as soon as I as soon as the game's over, I'm, I always hit him up like, "Yo, make sure you get that for tomorrow," because I can't wait to hear about it. Like, yo, seriously, <laughs> I see, I see, like John tweet, like, 
you tweet just Ariel like, yo, did you see this? Can, can you please find this for me? And then Ariel just pops with the video. Yo, it's it's amazing. Ariel does awesome work. Uh, so you can find it when this pod in this uh, in the bio of this pod. You will see you can find Ariel's Twitter handle. You can just click on the link and it'll take you there. You can give him that follow. All right, make sure to give him that follow because he is a really good follow. But guys, thank you for tuning in for another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. Please make sure to give us a five-star review or rating, whatever you want to call it, and to leave us a comment if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts. But if you don't listen to us there, we are available on all the streaming platforms. We're on Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher, you name it, we are there. Also, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All right? Okay, everyone, we'll catch you later this week for another Jets episode of the Knicks Jets, etc. podcast. We've, got, we've been kind of going back, back and forth because it's offseason, not a lot's going on right now, but football is about to start gearing up again, so we got to, you know, we got to start doing things. I mean, yeah, and, and I, I know I know we're kind of late on the game, but we're going to we're gonna do a little one Jets, Jets drive I've this week, and you. I'm hyped about it. I, I've been waiting for you to come back so that we could do that because it, it wouldn't have been right if I just did a solo pod be like, all right, guys, this is one Jets drive. I'm going to do it without John. Here we go. Uh, God, I can't, like, uh, I'm hyped. Let's talk about it. I can't wait for Jets drive talk. Let's get it. All right, everyone. Catch you later. Let's go Knicks.